Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I ask now that you take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and make them wholly yours. That together, as we seriously consider Holy Scripture, we might find ourselves actively listening and critically thinking so that we can grow in the radical love of Jesus, who is the source of love and first loved us. All these things I ask and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of y'all may not know this, but last Christmas, not the song, last Christmas, um, Christmas Eve, I, the two days, two or three days leading up to Christmas Eve, very, very sick. Um, uh, Christmas Eve was the first day I had without a fever, but I was not doing well. Christmas morning after Christmas Eve here and turning around and getting up early and listening to the neighbor's dogs barking at me first thing in the morning when I take up my own dog. It just wasn't a good morning, right? And, uh, and, and I wasn't feeling well. So when it came time for the sermon, I looked at the congregation who was there then on Christmas Day and I said, I don't feel well enough to both preach and sing the song that goes with the sermon. Which would you prefer? And the resounding cry of the congregation was sing so we can leave early. <laughs> now in 2023 you must hear the sermon that goes with the song. And it begins with a picture of the movie um, uh, Talladega Nights the, ba- uh, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. And if you, if you don't know this movie it's what's called absurd humor. And I love absurd humor. And there is just, uh, and it stars Will Ferrell as uh, Ricky Bobby and John C. Riley as Cal Naughton Jr. And, and in this scene, Ricky Bobby, he's, be- he's become a NASCAR racing legend. And y'all, they have this NASCAR thing and the Southern Southeast culture. They've got it down to a T. It's just perfect. And he and his teammate Cal are sitting at supper uh, with Ricky's wife and his two sons. By the way, in the movie, his two sons are named Walker and Texas Ranger. It's just awesome. <laughs> And his father-in-law. And Ricky, he begins saying grace by praying to baby Jesus. And the whole prayer is about praying to baby Jesus. Bowser said, and he begins like this. He begins, Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. <laughs> then his wife interrupts him. She says, hey, hon, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him a baby. It's a bit off and off-putting to, to pray to a baby. To which Ricky says, well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you could say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. To which she responds, you know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that we can win our race tomorrow. Which is just theologically so incorrect for so many reasons, but that's not the point. So this dialogue continues. He goes back to praying. He says, dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers, with your tiny little balled up fists. And he gets interrupted again, this time by the father-in-law who says, he was a man. He had a beard. To which Ricky says, look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races, I get the money. Then he goes back to praying. Dear eight pounds, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet, 
just little infants, so cuddly, but still omnipotent. And it just goes on and on for three or four minutes of just absolute absurdity. And that's the point. How often do we come to the manger and we stay there? The manger is safe, right? I mean, a make-believe race car driver in a funny movie said exactly what the world thinks about Jesus. I like the Christmas Jesus best. Each Christmas, believers and seekers come to the manger and take a moment and appreciate God becoming flesh. In fact, this is exactly what the angels and the shepherds and the magi did. They came to the manger. They took a moment to reflect upon what had happened. And then they went. And they did something with what they knew. There's a wonderful poem by Howard Thurman entitled The Work of Christmas, from which many a sermon has been crafted, including today's sermon. Thurman writes, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among all, to make music in the heart. Our sermon series this Advent and Christmas has focused upon the incarnation from John's Gospel. You know, the Word of God became flesh and blood and did what? Moved into the neighborhood. Some of you said dwell among us, but some of the other people who have been listening to me be redneck for the last five weeks said moved into the neighborhood. So each week we have considered what it means as the body of Christ to incarnate with our lives the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of Jesus. When we came on Christmas Eve, we considered the incarnation of sweet little Jesus boy. But you know what? He wasn't a boy for long, was he? At the manger, we are reminded of Jesus being with us. But through his life, we are reminded of him becoming more among us. Being and becoming. Being and becoming. Now, being and becoming is a mystery of faith that's worth pondering. The being of Jesus entered the world on that first Christmas day so long ago. But who Jesus would become was not fully known until his ascension into heaven after his resurrection. Jesus was fully God and fully human, and yet he was always becoming. Baby Jesus didn't stay a baby for long, right? The infant became a toddler became a child, became a teenager, and became an adult. The adult Jesus became a preacher, a teacher, a miracle worker, and a healer. He also became a rebel, a sacrifice, and a corpse. And then, Jesus became the resurrected Savior. Jesus was, and Jesus became and by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we have a being and we are becoming. So who is Jesus calling us to become? 
Through Jesus, God has found us when we are lost, but are we finding others who are lost? Through Jesus, our brokenness is being healed, but are we to help, helping to heal others who are broken? Are we feeding the hungry? Are we releasing the prisoner? And releasing the prisoner means so much more than actual prisoners in a prison, right? Who do you know that's trapped in a prison of debt or addiction or despair or disrespect? Who do you know that owes you something, perhaps money or time or just an apology? What would it look like to release them from that debt? Would that help you to become more like Jesus or less? And are we rebuilding the nations? Are we rebuilding our nation? Because from my perspective, as I'm looking into 2024, it looks like our nation is headed toward another civil war. Am I the only one that sees that? I think not. Are we, the body of Christ, going to help the nation to heal, or are we going to add fuel to the fires of division? Are we interested in bringing peace to the lives of those with whom we come in contact? Is our being, you know, Jesus in us and us in Jesus, is our being speaking the peace of Jesus into the lives of others? And though the season of singing Christmas carols is nearly over, will the music of salvation still be made in our heart? Will our song of Jesus be more than a baby in a manger? Or do we just like the Christmas Jesus best? Brothers and sisters, we aren't meant to stay at the manger, nor the cross, nor the empty tomb. We are meant to follow Jesus who was and became. But to continue unfolding the mystery of faith just a little bit further, Jesus still is and Jesus is still becoming. Jesus is the Savior of the world and when Jesus returns in all his glory, he will rule the nations with truth and grace at the great white throne judgment. This is what we sing about in Joy to the World. I promise you're going to hear it at the end of the service. Jesus is not going to cease to be Savior and Shepherd, but his authority as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that's going to become evident to everyone. So I want you to hear now Jesus' own words about his return. It comes from Matthew's Gospel, 25 chapter. Um, it's the Olivet Discourse. He offers a whole couple of chapters discourse on, on, on what it's going to look like when he returns. He says this, he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those who are on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick. And you look after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or, or needing clothes, close you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these siblings of mine, you did for me. Friends, the the work of Christmas began in a manger. It didn't end there. And the work of Christmas and Easter and Pentecost continues to this day. The Jesus in us in 2023 is now ending. Who will Jesus be in us in 2024? For this much is certain, there is work to be done before Christ returns. So as we set our eyes to 2024, let's begin again the work of Christmas. Oh,
began that work of Christmas so long ago, and then at just the right time in our own lives, she began that work of Christmas and of Easter and of Pentecost in our own lives. You began again and again and again the old story of Jesus and his love, and then you incarnated it in us, your body, that we might go out into the world that so desperately needs to know about your work of love. And so we sit today and ponder at the manger before moving on to begin again the work of Christmas. And we are mindful today, mindful that among our own community and among, among those connected to Calvary Church and, and beyond, we know today that people are hurting. We know today, Lord, that people are grieving. This time of year is just so difficult for so many people for so many reasons. <coughs> Including and especially when we have lost loved ones at this time of year. So I pray today, Lord, just your measure of healing be felt in a tangible way upon those among us who are grieving and those that we don't know who are grieving. And Father, today for those who are who are stuck in, in a hospital room. Maybe it's the father of four who found himself having to have a heart surgery just a couple of days ago. Or the person who just found themselves out of a job the day before Christmas. Or someone recuperating from an ankle or a knee surgery. Father, you know the needs. There are many that are great. You don't promise to protect our bodies as we walk through this life, but you do promise to protect our souls. And so today, Lord, I just pray in the midst of whatever is going on with sickness, illness, injury, I just pray that souls might be reminded and rekindled with your love that lasts forever. And the peace that goes with it. Father, you call us and grace us with the gift of prayer that we might actually use prayer. So, Father, as 2024 approaches, as a contentious election year approaches, as sides divvy up, as states and federal government and all sorts of different things just look like an absolute mess, in the midst of all of that, Lord, we your people pray that we might be your ambassadors of peace in our neighborhood in our city, in our state, in our nation. May we be the people that cry out for peace. Father, it's never lost on me that what we enjoy right now in this very room is provided for us by the men and women that wear the uniform of our nation. They are certainly home and brought so many of them away from their families, missing that first Christmas with a child, or their 20th. So for those who are the uniform of our nation at home and abroad, we give our thanks and we pray for them today, not only them, but for our first responders, those who make it possible right now to worship in safety.
police or fire or EMS personnel. Thank you for their sacrifice, the sacrifice their families make for their Christmases and, and their New Year's and all of the other holidays they give up. May they feel the special anointing and appreciation from you today. And Father, for the work of the church, for what we will do when we leave this place, many of us might go grocery shopping or out to eat lunch or a, a late breakfast. I pray today that when we do those things, we might treat the staff with dignity. We might make eye contact with our cashier or our server. Ask them how the day is going. Let them know they are appreciated. May we be your hands, your feet, and your voice of love in this world. All this we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In response to God's grace in our lives, our opportunity to give back to God is rightfully His, our lives, our tithes, and our offerings. So I invite our ushers to come forward now. <laughs>